Hey, thanks for tuning into my podcast. This is Big Head on the Block, hosted by me, Tim Henderson, aka Big Head. Hey, welcome back to Big Head on the Block. I want to thank all my listeners once again. I also want to tell you that I have created a Facebook page, Big Head on the Block. So if you haven't already, if you would go to my page and follow it, that way I can keep up with my audience and, you know, I can see the likes, dislikes, and everything that um, people are commenting on. Also tell your friends, family, associates, and actually, if you don't like somebody, tell them too, because, you know, any any traffic that's directed toward my podcast helps me out. So if you don't like them, punish them by making them listen. Uh-huh. So today I'm going to focus on bonus story number two. Bonus story number two, a lost child. Now, imagine if you would, Monday morning, you heading to work, and as a police officer, I'm already at work because my shift started at 6 o'clock. It's probably in the neighborhood of 7 or 8 o'clock in the morning. Not really sure. I don't remember. It's been a few years back. But we get a call from dispatch, a unique call, and, you know, kind of a, a distressful call. A three- to four-year-old lost child all around Essilane and the interstate in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. So I hear my officer dispatched, and as a field supervisor, I, I believe it's my responsibility to make sure that this call is not only handled properly, but that my officer has all the support and resources needed to make sure that this child is safely returned to its house, if that should be the case. So myself and my officer arrive on scene. What we see is kind of odd looking, an older white female holding a young black male child. The child doesn't appear to be under any duress. The child is dressed actually pretty nice in a t-shirt, some shorts, and tennis shoes. You know, so there was nothing odd about his appearance. There was nothing odd about his demeanor. Um, the lady was just a beautiful, kind lady who luckily happened upon this child and nobody else did. So she indicated that she had found the child. She didn't see anybody around the child. He was just walking down the street by himself. And she said he was just kind of moseying along like he didn't have a care in the world. Well, at this point in time, as a field supervisor and, you know, my officer there also, we're trying to formulate a plan to try and figure out how this event occurred and why this child is here. Like I said, we're not able to determine through headquarters that anybody is looking for this child. We're not able to, to determine that any other agency has a report of a missing child. So here we are. We see that the kid's in, in good shape. So we're not really worried about anything happening to him as far as, you know, a child predator, um, maybe dropping him off or anything. He's literally under no duress and smiling. So we start thinking, okay, where could he have come from? Literally, there's so many businesses around there, there's just no telling. And it's a high volume of traffic. So my officer who's on scene and several other officers, they circled the area within, you know, half a mile or a mile just to see if anybody may be out looking for this child. Because unfortunately, sometimes things like this happen and they don't call the cops because they're scared they're going to get in trouble. So people, if you're listening out there, if your child gets lost, call us immediately. You know, worry about the trouble later. We have to make sure these children are protected. So back on point, we are unable to find anybody looking for this child. Nobody's out walking the streets, uh, no indication. So now 
we're having to pivot from that particular phase of this investigation to the next phase. So we still can't get his name, his last name. We only know his first name. The next thing we do is we ask the child if he knows where he lives. Now, of course, he's not going to give us an address. And it's a shot in the dark. Honestly, man, he's just a little dude. The likelihood of him knowing where he lives is almost zero. But we're going to give it a chance. So what I do is tell my officer to put the child in her car. We're going to ride around and see if, by chance, this little joker can take us to his house. Probability of success in this operation, 10%. Best. That's my best percentage. Nine out of 10, we're not going to find them, and we're going to have to uh, figure out another solution. However, as we're driving, the officer and I are talking on a talk-around channel, and only we can hear each other. No other units, unless they're in close proximity to where we at, can hear us. It's just a talk-around channel. So I'm giving her questions to ask the child, and she's coming up with her own questions. We're just trying to see if maybe he sees something that will give him some insight as to where he lives. Well, we travel probably about 10 minutes looking and he comes up with nothing. And I said to him over the radio and I asked her to give him the mic so maybe he would feel a little more comfortable with us because you never know if a kid feels intimidated or whatever. He never, he didn't look like he was intimidated. He looked like he was having a good time and he didn't, like I said, he didn't look stressed at all. So I'm talking to him on the mic, letting him play around a little bit, trying to get him you know, to a point where maybe he's really comfortable. The female officer I had with me is really good with kids, so I don't think that he uh, had a care in the world at this time. Well, the officer told me that the child said we went too far and we should turn around. Of course, you know, I'm kind of skeptical. It's a little dude, like I said. So we played the game. We turned around. Nothing. Well, we continued to drive around a little bit, and she says, we need to turn around. He said we went the wrong way. So we, you know, we we immerse in this um, objective now. So we're just going to play the game for a few more minutes. He tells us to turn on Perkins Road, which runs off of Essen Lane between Essen and Blue Bonnet. As we are getting closer to Blue Bonnet, he indicates to us that we have gone too far. Well, during the course of the conversation, my officer was able to obtain information that proved vital later. The child told my officer that his dad was mad at him because he had broke a glass or a bottle in his driveway. And, you know, it, we just figured it was small talk from a child. No idea why he actually brought this up. But we turned around again before we got to Blue Bonnet. The child took us to an area closer to where we had already passed, and he said, for her to turn onto a street that is a residential area with only apartment complexes in the area. Now, here's the thing about this street, all right? Even a trained investigator has trouble finding houses and addresses on the street because literally there's a hundred or more apartments and everyone looks exactly alike. There's no variation. Everyone looks like the other one. So as soon as we turn on the street, I'm, I'm obviously... Uh, skeptical that this is going to work. And honestly, I have formulated plan C, which is if we couldn't find his house within, you know, the next 10 or 15 minutes, we would bring him back to our office and we would call child protection to see if they could come out and assist us because 
unfortunately, you know, we're not able to babysit a child all day or ride him around in our unit in hopes of getting lucky and finding somebody. We like this little dude, and he's a cool little dude, and we wouldn't mind letting him patrol with us. But, you know, it just ain't in the cards. We have other calls for services that we're required to do, and we're not equipped nor are we able to give this child long-term care. So as we're driving down the street, the officer indicates to me, hey, Sarge, the child just told me that he lives at this apartment complex right here. And I said, okay, well, what do we have to lose? And she said, well, hold on a minute. As I'm looking, now every apartment has, I believe, one upstairs, one downstairs, one upstairs, one downstairs. So there's four different apartments within each contained uh, driveway, if you will. So it, the driveway holds, I don't know, either four or six, eight cars. I'm not really sure. I don't remember. But the funny and unique thing about this is she says, you're not going to believe this, but there's glass on the ground. And, you know, I'm like, you got to be kidding me, right? No way this little dude gets us to his house. So we get out and we're walking. And sure enough, there's glass in the driveway. And he said earlier his dad was mad at him for breaking it. And we're asking him now, well, which one, which apartment do you live in? He points to one at the lower left and indicates to us that that's where he lives. So I'm still not believing this little dude got it right. Okay. So we knock on the door. A black female comes to the door. She's of the age of a normal grandmother. And we ask her if by chance she knows this little child that we're holding. And she kind of smirks and says, yes, that's my grandson. And I said, okay, you got to be kidding me, right? She says, no. And she said his first name. And he obviously was very comfortable with her because he got down from my officer's arms and went to her. And we asked her if his parent, his parents lived here. And, and she indicated to us that she was the grandmother. The parents do live here, but they're not home at the time. And I said, okay. I said, well, this is one of the more miraculous things I have ever experienced in my career. We got a young kid who's now able to get us home several miles away from where we actually found him. All right. Now imagine your three or four year old child being lost and being able to come up with this information to help us find where he belongs. So I asked the grandmother, you know, or the mother and father around anywhere. And she indicates to me that they were not home and that the father was actually on his way home. So I asked her, is there any reason that this child would be on Esselane by himself? And he said, she told me, no, not really. He does have a grandmother he was staying with that lives in that area. So she called the grandmother. And sure enough, the grandmother is finding out at this moment that the child is no longer at her house. He went from grandmother A to grandmother B's house, which is also where he lives. And the grandmother A is in a panic now that she realizes what happened. She said that she was still asleep and that the child must have unlocked the deadbolt and let himself out. During... During, uh, I giggled because, I mean, this is, you can't make this stuff up, people. So the grandmother that we're at now, she asked the kid, you know, why, why did you come home? He said that he really didn't want to be at that other grandmother's house anymore. And he wanted to come see his other grandmother, which is where we're at now. In my wildest imagination, I never would have thought this little dude would have 
ever been able to get us to his house. Well, about that time, the father pulls up, and I actually know the guy, and he said, Big Ed, I'm going to beat that boy's butt for doing what he did. And I said, well, hold on a minute, man. This ain't the time to discipline him. You need to do that when we're not around. I said, because you don't want your child to be scared of the police or to associate anything with us with whatever discipline you try to do, all right? So you discipline on your own, and you take you know, advantage of the opportunity to, to, to teach this kid what he needs to know as far as what's acceptable and not acceptable. We don't discipline your kids. You do. But please don't do it while we're here because we want this child to end on a positive note with us. And he agreed. And, uh, you know, I'm feeling bad for the little dude. So I said, just remember, you was a kid too, man. I said, he did get us home. I said, but one thing you need to do is teach him your name, teach him your wife's name. We kind of understood his last name a little bit, but not enough to be able to do research on it. So let him learn the elementary things that can get him safe. Teach him his address. And I said, he ought to be commended for being able to get us back to his residence. Because how many children that age can look and from a standpoint of just remembering certain things in the area that he was able to direct us back to his house? Now, this was a perfect outcome. You know, God put me and this officer in this situation because he knew we could handle it. But he also put that lovely lady in a situation where she was able to pick this child up and make sure that he was safe. So I commend her for a job well done. A, a good Samaritan, a lost child, two cops that cared, two grandmothers, a father, all came together. And with the assistance of this child, the outcome was perfect. The child was safe at home again. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Big Head on the Block. I'm Tim Henderson, the host. I look forward to dropping another podcast soon. Please give us any comments, likes, dislikes, or any topics y'all would like to discuss. Thank you.